Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Eminem Marvel Mania podcast. I'm Nick. And I am Mike. Today, we will, be, we will be discussing and reviewing the 2008 movie, The Incredible Hulk, a movie in which is known as, Mike... Uh, the Black Sheep of the MCU. I said this last time, yes. This movie is forgotten by many. Not known by many as even being canon. Yeah. As I said, as I said last week, I don't think anybody thinks of the MCU and thinks, oh, how about that Hulk movie from 2008? No, it's, no you don't think about no, that. It's not, it's not on anyone's mind. And, you know, going back and watching this back for the first time in years, I mean, my God, this movie has a lot more to it than I originally remembered. There's a lot of cameos. There's a lot of details that in now future Marvel movies give it kind of a good rep, I think. I, I think I think it's aged better. Uh, obviously, obviously, the big disparity with this movie comes from the fact that it's there's a different po- person playing the main character. True. We have Edward Norton playing Bruce Banner. Um, and now we have Mark Ruffalo, who is still playing, who is now playing. Bruce no, he's Banner. still he's still playing Bruce Banner. He'll be back. But and, um, uh, so let's get into the plot of this movie. I mean, yeah. So before we go into anything into this movie, I just want to go over the the backstory, the origin story of uh, Bruce Banner and the Hulk. So basically, uh, given the fact that this movie doesn't have a lot of backstory, uh, forgot, I just got totally stuck for a second. The movie doesn't have much backstory. It, it shows in the credits maybe a couple a bit in the opening. It's very it's very light on on origin story in the very beginning. It's, it kind of just jumps into the transformation. It's basically just the just the opening credits that kind of give you something, uh, and it's like hard to tell exactly what what this character is really about. Yeah. But basically, this movie is about Bruce Banner, played by Edward Norton. He's a person known for his work in nuclear physics and gamma radiation. He was recruited by the U.S. Army and General Thunderbolt Ross, played by William Hurt. Uh, to create the first uh, gamma bomb. So in doing so, Bruce had expo- was exposed to gamma radiation in a lab accident, and this turned him into the green raging monster we know as the Hulk. Big green monster. The big green asshole. Big, <laughs> the big green guy, you know? you know? So, I mean, look, you know, again, you know, when you talk about this movie, the only thread that's been consistent was William Hurt's Thunderbolt Ross. He's the one that really went, you know, he kept moving into different films. We did, we'll, when did we see him? We saw him in Civil in War. Civil, Civil War. War was the next time after this. And we'll see him in Black Widow as well. Yeah, we'll see him in Black Widow. And he was in Infinity War and Endgame for like a brief minute. For a brief minute, yeah. yeah. But other, besides that, you don't even see like, like you don't see Betty Ross at all. You haven't seen her since no, this No, no, Liv Tyler's Betty Ross. You don't see her at all. She's like... When I said last week, Pepper and Tony were the only people, the only couple from Iconic Phase couple, One, right? yeah. the only one that made it right. to the end of Phase Three. This couple didn't even get out of Phase One. No, no. But Liv, Liv Tyler's Betty Ross and Bruce Banner did not even get out of Phase One. I know, and it's insane to think that you know, back in two thousand eight, the Hulk was a money character for Marvel. You're talking about a character recognizable. People in pop culture knew who the Hulk was, and Yet Iron Man was the more successful film. Tony Stark, a C-list comic book hero now, at best. Now like an S-tier. <laughs> now, now, now it's completely and utterly different. You know, the change the change in perception because of the MCU, it, it's, it's really something to behold. It is. I mean, I think Betty Ross, she's not, she's not even mentioned whatsoever in the film. Like, obviously this film. No, she beyond is, this film. Beyond no. this film, but like nowhere else you mentioned any other movie. And I think it's the fact that 
Hulk is not owned completely by Marvel. Well, yeah, Universal made this movie. Universal and again, movie. like I said last week, you could tell this wasn't made by Disney again. No, you can't. I, I think, once again, you can look at this movie and you're like, yeah, no, this movie wasn't made by Disney. Because, first off, there's not, there isn't that levity that there is in all the Marvel movies. There's a lot. There's a lot more what's called. There's a lot more, I'd say violent images oh no. yeah no this this is this is a very violent movie come well, it's the hulk though i mean what do you expect oh yeah he's a big guy you know? <laughs> come on he's a, he's the big green raging monster what else do you expect i know but let's get into the plot of this movie now so after a couple years being on the run from the government uh bruce has been learning to control his anger basically and find a cure for this crazy thing this raging monster that's inside of him yeah and the only person he trusts right now is this unknown mysterious person which is known as mr blue and yeah. he and he's mr green that's that's his like because you know, the whole oh you know. my god come on you know it's, it's so on the nose but but it, it is funny basic stuff but you later find out in the film that uh this is samuel stearns who is a cellular biologist at i believe at a university or some sort of campus is it Culver University? I know that's where Betty Ross is in this film. Maybe it's Culver. I don't know the specifics. Around that. I'm, I'm not going to get into the specifics with that. But um, doesn't matter, really. But basically, he's been undercover uh, in Brazil, and he's been working at a bottle factory. And what happens at that bottle factory? Oh, well, uh, you know, he just poisons the freaking founder of Marvel Comics, basically. He, he's like – so he's basically fixing the bottle distribution system in which the bottles go out. Yeah. And what happens is while he's fixing the machine, the panel basically chops off like – doesn't chop his finger, but like gets a little blood cut off yeah. and, uh, you know, drops to the bottle. Yeah. Sees it. He wipes it off. Oh, we're okay. Keep going. Doesn't see the bottle that has red blood. You would think <laughs> that someone would have an eye for that. You know, working you know, at a factory, you would know what it's supposed to look like. You think how cautious he would be. He'd be like – I have to check these. Oh, no, it's fine. Everybody, it's fine. It's okay. It's not going to blow my cover or nothing like that. Everything's fine. The government won't find me by this. Completely wrong. No, I mean, entirely false. Because who ends up drinking that bottle, that beautiful bottle of soda or whatever? What was the name of the it was soda? A, it was a soda. I don't remember it, the whatever soda the name. name was. It, who ends up drinking that soda, Nick? Mr. Stan Lee. Stan Lee, the freaking creator of so many iconic Marvel heroes. Many iconic ends up drinking this blood and that's when shit starts to go to hell <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i mean it's after this point the government's basically trailing him seeing okay there was an incident and where was it it was in brazil so one of the interesting things about this movie and you mentioned it earlier was the number of cameos and while we're on the topic of stan lee i think that's very appropriate to talk about cameos yes so one of the interesting things to talk about here is how Mr. Harrington from the Spider-Man movies <laughs> appears in this film. And I didn't notice this until my recent rewatch. Kevin Feige apparently confirmed that the character Mr. Harrington plays yeah. is played in this film is the same guy that, the is same played, is. that is later the teacher in Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From it Home. It is literally the same actor. I looked it up. Uh, I think I looked it up a couple months ago and I was like, wait a second. He looks so familiar. Yeah, no. But he had the longer hair. He you was like, in college. Kind of looked like a creep a little bit. Oh, I mean, I mean Mr. Harrington's <laughs> computer, character. Mr. Har computer nerd. Oh, yeah, computer nerd. But Mr. Harrington's character was never one to be, you know. He was always an awkward kind uh, yeah, of guy. Yeah, you know. You know? <laughs> he lost a kid on a school trip. How, how, how cool and smooth can that guy be? Not that cool. <laughs> so 
that was interesting to see. And another thing, and this is one you pointed out to me after you rewatched it, Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk show from the 70s. That thing is something that I didn't see. Yeah, and, he was what's called. He was um he played Hulk in, in the TV show back in like 1977, I think it was. It's it's something else. And you know, he actually cameoed. I'm not sure if you knew this. Yes. In the 2003 Hulk movie, he cameoed alongside Stan Lee in a quick little scene. Oh, I do remember that. Yes. And they they were coming out of a building or something and he cameoed alongside Stan Lee. And the two of them walk out of the building together. Yeah, I and remember that, that. They both cameo again in this movie, obviously. You in know, different parts. Different roles. But, but, you know, that's something else that's kind of interesting. You know, so you were talking about Samuel Stearns. And, you know, obviously he's the comic villain, the leader. One of the many Incredible Hulk villains that gets teased very hard in this movie. And uh, obviously seen. another one being another Thunderbolt one. Ross's Red Hulk. Another one not that has not been seen since this movie. Now, this, this is actually interesting because when you think about the number of characters that Marvel has started a little thread with and never really tied it up, the number isn't really that enormous. Marvel tends to tie up its loose ends very well. Usually, you know, I mean, you I, plant a seed here, it grows in this movie. Well, usually the thing with their villains, I mean, they kept Hulk, like, I think the reason why they didn't move forward with any more Hulk villains is just because they didn't have as many rights to their villains. Well, the reason I I was under the assumption, at least, that the reason that they weren't making the Hulk movies solo movies was because Marvel doesn't make as much money off them. Basically what you were saying. They don't yeah, have the rights basically. to make You know, it, it's kind of similar to the Spider-Man uh, sim- Kind of similar to the Spider-Man situation, I guess. But Spider-Man is just more of a loved character. Well, Sp- Spider-Man, I think, yeah, absolutely has greater appeal to audiences than the Hulk. I, I don't even think that's a question, especially no. especially considering the, I would say, polarizing way that the Hulk has been treated in the MCU. To, to say the least, there's a lot of people who didn't like his arc in the later movies. But we'll get back to that later. Nick, first question for you really here. We're talking about Samuel Stern, you know, another thread. You know, Marvel didn't tie up this thread. They didn't bring him back. They never brought him back. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that this movie is really a standalone unto itself. It's not something that is tied in and interconnected to a lot of the other movies. There's not many tie-ins. Maybe that, maybe towards the end of the film. Well, obviously the post credit scene here where Tony yeah. Stark is a nice tie-in. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you, though, is what did you think of Edward Norton as, as a, the as Hulk? As... I mean, obviously, as as the Hulk, as Bruce Banner, he wasn't he wasn't as like I'd say more like sciency, mm-hmm. but there were definitely parts in the film that he had where he, he like showed like he could do certain things. When it came to like finding his first like cure for like or antidote, you would say yeah. for to, for the Hulk, it was like this one. I forgot it was like a flower that Mister Blue was talking about, and it was um it was basically supposed to help him somehow. And he tried, he looked in the cell, the, it was, oh my God, whatever it was, a microscope, basically. And he was looking in the, uh, in the microscope to see if it would work. Like, it shows how smart he is as a, as like, I guess as the character. Yeah. But you can't base it on, but you can't base it on him being the Hulk, because the Hulk is mostly CGI, even though they, like, they use his face. Yeah, obviously, the, the motion capture technology, it's Norton's face in this movie. But it's and Ruffalo in the later Ruffalo movies. in the later movies, but I mean considering he he played the role pretty well, I believe. You know, a lot of people when they talk about the Hulk, they they rave over Mark Ruffalo. And the funny thing is that 
the director of this movie, Louis Leterrier, actually his first choice for the role was Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, and I think I remember watching it was that Edward Norton was very happy that uh, Mark Ruffalo got the part. And Mark Ruffalo didn't even know. Like, he's like, I didn't even think I was going to get this part. Well, he did get it, you know, the Avengers, thankfully. And, you know, obviously there was behind-the-scenes drama with Norton on this film or with later film, whatever it was. He thought it was a one-time movie deal. So He, He wasn't looking for anything past the Hulk movie. Yeah. Meanwhile, Marvel is not in the business of short-term contracts and no, that's putting it lightly. I think it's different compared to, compared to before. Because, yeah. Cause before you had contracts that lasted up to eight years. Yeah. Well, and they do it by the number of movies too. You know, like I think they've done like, I've read that there's six movie deals. Like Sebastian Stan is a nine movie deal. I, I don't really oh, yeah, know the like specific. Spider Man with like a three four movie deal. Yeah, exactly. Like... But th- that's how they do it with the actors. They tie them in for long periods of time, and it and it keeps actors away from the project. And the yeah, the best thing with Hulk is that he could be considered a side character in movies, like they did with like Ragnarok and Avengers movies and yeah. stuff like that. And he could still be in your movies. And that that's the good thing that they've been able to utilize him in other ways. And that they didn't just drop him entirely right. when things went to hell. They brought him back for the Avengers. And when we get to the Avengers, one of the things we're going to rate, we're, I think that's Hulk's greatest movie in the MCU. I think so. But I think that The Incredible Hulk, having watched it back now, really does a good job, and back to Edward Norton, of deep diving into the psyche of Bruce Banner. Because one of the most interesting scenes, and I'm so, so disappointed that it is not in the final cut, is the scene, and it was supposed to open the film. It's a deleted scene. And Edward Norton's Hulk is basically trying to kill himself. Bruce Banner is oh, trying to kill yes. himself. And it's referenced in the Avengers. It's brought up in the Avengers. But it's, when, never, but it's never shown in a movie. Yeah. It's just basically that side-off little thing. Yeah. I put a bullet in my mouth, and the other guy spit it out. Well, it was supposed to be in this movie. But it never came to fruition. They never put it into the final cut. He actually never shot the gun, though. He was about to shoot well, yeah, the yeah. gun. And then the Hulk took and over. And the Hulk yeah. just took yeah. over. So I think that's another interesting point. And again, goes back to my final point of, or the point I've been making basically the last two times. This movie was not made by Disney. No, it, was, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Because they wouldn't have even shot that scene, probably, if this was made by Disney. Right. And I that just again, that just kind of echoes the because this was a more mature film, I think, compared to MCU projects that came later. Yeah. You know, you 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 feel the gravitas of the situation and it's not constantly being cutting the tension with the jokes. Yeah. You know, and that's an issue Marvel's had. And I actually like a movie that's like that, but I think you have to find the balance. Uh, at some point. And that yeah. and that and that is really one of the things that drives people away from the Incredible Hulk and makes them think it's not in the MCU is because it doesn't have that same tone. Yeah. You know, if only it did. Well, <laughs> what are you gonna do? But uh I think we should get into the abomination. Yes. The, the abomination. The, the big villain. Uh Emil Blonsky. Uh I liked Tim Roth in this movie quite a bit. As a matter of fact, I love the action scene where they're fighting at uh the university. Because right, they're, they're between fight, they're middle fight. Yeah, Blonsky's not even abomination yet. No, but and he, he has the serum in him. And he's but he's still the fighting the Hulk and he's dodging his punches, he's getting a couple of hits in on him here and there. And you know, it's like this is actually pretty impressive. And I thought they did a good job of building up Blonsky as an incredible foe mm-hmm. for the Hulk. Yeah. No, they made it. I like I like how what's called. I like how they had a serum, like the Super Soldier serum, basically Thunderbolt Ross had it in stock, 
and uses it on him. He's like, I don't care. I want, I need, like, I want to have that power that he has, but in a different way. Yeah. He kind of has, at that moment, he has like that Captain America ability where he could run fast, maybe have super strength. Yeah. But he doesn't have that ability that Hulk does to, you know, rage out and become like more of a superhuman being. Yeah. You know, um, and that that's when it comes to the point when uh, he goes to Samuel Stearns, Mr. Blue, and he says, I want whatever it is, is in his blood. I want it. And he takes him. He's for it's like he's forced by his hand. He can't do anything about it. The, kid, the guy's strong as hell. And at that point, he's like, I don't know what's I don't know what you're gonna turn into. It could be an, an abomination. abomination. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god. And I love the I love the character. I love I love the villain. The villain's great, especially when it's gonna come to to Shang Chi in a future movie. I'm so excited for it, and the way that he looks so much different too. But yeah, no, and now now there's the chance that he's going to be appearing in Shang Chi, or it looks like he's going to be appearing it, in Shang Chi. I think no, he definitely is, and it, and especially since he has like more of his comic book. I don't know if you know how he looks in the comics. Not he, too familiar. But with you it. can see his like ears are like he has like those comic book ears now. He has like kind of like I don't know I don't know if you know it. It's basically more of a scaly, more like a lizard kind of vibe. Okay, all right, you know, hey, I mean, the, the Marvel Marvel, I trust Marvel. You know, making the characters campy costumes work. So, given CGI. Well, of course, <laughs> but still. Um, where else you want to go with this? So, I think one of the biggest things in this movie is the action because we get basically three separate action scenes in this movie featuring the Hulk. And I don't know about you, but when I'm watching the Hulk smash and the Hulk <laughs> be the Hulk, and he is just riding high on a wave of adrenaline it's something to behold and they do a great job in this movie of making the hulk a force of nature one that over time we see continue to do it well i mean i think i really enjoy the character when it comes to the fight scenes obviously i mean he obviously doesn't have like that fighting capability like when it comes to like skillful fighting but when it comes to more brute strength he kind of like brings it together. Um, and I really think that when it came to like uh, the Hulk, when he, so it was the scene where you have like Hulk smash, obviously, and you have where he, when he originally um, pops out of the surface, when he like goes into the helicopter for the first, like when he's jumping out of the helicopter, it's kind of like that moment where he's like, oh, I don't need a parachute, like Steve Rogers kind of vibe. Yeah. So he jumps out and he, he took the antidote that they supposedly made at that point that they thought it worked thought it didn't work at that point, but it did. He actually, he obviously busted out of the concrete. And I think the best part was that fight scene that the end fight scene I thought was really the, oh the chaos in Harlem. The chaos it, it, in Harlem great. was the craziest part, you know, I mean, given the, the middle fight scene, okay. The beginning fight scene for suspension. Yes, I agree. But the end fight was you really see the CGI action go in. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, 110%. And in, in this movie, you know, it, they really leveled up on the action. Like we said, you can tell that this movie wanted to show the menace, <laughs> the menace, the force that the Hulk is. And, uh, again, the thing that separates this movie from other installments of the Hulk in the MCU mm -hmm. is that I think in this movie, we, Edward Norton really does try – to bring more perspective to the character of Bruce Banner and how he feels. 
you know, because there's a lot of scenes where the camera's really focusing in on Norton and his banner. And you're trying to see, you're seeing his reaction to the situations around him. You're seeing the way that things are evolving around him. Mm. And I think it's interesting, and it really was something that I thought he succeeded in. And I thought that Norton did a very good job with the role, overall. Overall, you know, did. I mean, look, I, I, I don't really have any gripes with him. Had he, had he stuck around, I think he would have done a great job. He would have been fine. You know? I mean, so. either way, it's it's still, still a great film. Great actor. Oh, no, I mean, and, and I'm excited for, for The Abomination to come back. And I'm excited that this movie is starting to get some legs under it in the MCU. I think it is compared to other movies that don't have much rep to it. I'd say that this movie's kind of getting more of a standing ovation. No, and, and you know what? I, I think that that is something to behold because you're finally bringing back the thread that was never taken care of 13 years ago. And you're, you're, you're going to be giving it some sort of justice by bringing back The Abomination. And you know what? It, it's just something I like. And it's, again, Marvel once again planting a seed and eventually making something pay off from it. And obviously, you know, Thaddeus Ross, Thunderbolt Ross... You know, he's the big threat from this movie outside of Bruce Banner, obviously. Outside of Bruce Banner. He was always seen as – the thing with his character is that he he never really – he doesn't like the Avengers. He doesn't like Hulk. He doesn't like any superhuman being that's, like, a head, like more powerful than the government. Yeah. And he's scared of that power. You know, he's scared of the Hulk. That's why he wants to basically control the Hulk. Oh, yeah, 100%. He, he's, he's one of those that's trying to control the enhanced people that are more powerful than him. And – you see in this movie, and in particular, and in Captain America: Civil War, yes. you see him attempting to control enhanced individuals, and I, that really begins here. It begins with him trying to contain the Hulk in this movie. If you think about it, he really, he really did mess up by giving the serum to Blonsky. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. He he totally messed up. You know, he said, "Oh, I'll just give this to because." I mean, he didn't know that he was going to turn into this abomination because yeah. obviously Samuel Stern gave him that other Bruce Banner's blood, which we didn't, you know, he didn't know about. Yeah. But the fact that he he knew if he gave this to him, it would cause another superhuman being. Yeah. The fact that you hate that, why would you want more of that? That that'd be like Zemo trying to make more superhumans. Or yeah, something like, like why, that. I, I don't want more of you. I want less. You think I wanted more? Well, he he saw Blonsky as a weapon to go back at the Hulk. Yeah, to destroy it, maybe. Well, yeah, yeah. But I don't think he thought that the consequences of his actions would be creating an alternate negative version of the Hulk. Uh, like, you're not going to you're not gonna destroy the Maybe, obviously, Thanos along the line. But you can't destroy the Hulk, man. You know, He's like, and it's it's actually funny you mentioned the serum and the, the superpowers that are given to Blonsky in this movie with the Abomination. It ties back into a thread that's going to come back up many, many, many times. And that is... When a person is given super so- superpowers, super, yeah. super soldier serum, whatever it is, Any, it yeah. makes them more of who they are. Yes. You know? And in this movie, we see that again. Bruce Banner, in the beginning of the movie, has no control over the Hulk. Zero control over the Hulk in this movie. Zero. And it's only in time that he begins to develop some control over the Hulk. And by the end of the movie, you can say with some confidence that he say, has control. You can say he has some form of control. He learns to – I think he basically learns to control his anger. Yeah. Because in the beginning in the beginning of the movie, it was mostly him learning to control, you know, yoga, Pilates, whatever, you know. Whatever yeah, you exactly. Do, whatever you do. But And he had certain days without incident. But the fact that there were other obstacles that came along the way, he was never – he was – he never intended for anyone to get hurt. 
that's why the government that's why he always tried to run away from the government that's why he was always just trying to separate himself because they wanted what he had but he he focused on helping people at, at you know another movie in the Avengers movie obviously he basically is seen as a good person you know and never wanted to hurt anybody and by that point you could see he kind of controls his anger somewhat in a degree yeah you know but he will always be in a sense angry yeah very much very much and and it comes back in the avengers again right because the it, it this story even though the actors switch out right you know the story is continued it, yeah it has no effect it's like saying you know it's like saying james rhodes like that's it like that you know yeah 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 it's, uh, that's something very similar even exactly. though you're switching a, an actor with another actor for a film doesn't change the story of it only if it's like only if it's like a different movie that's not with the mcu like that yeah you know say like the hulk in 2003 has nothing to do with, with this, this whatsoever, yeah, whatsoever exactly. yeah. you know but you know so back to what i was saying quickly you know so we it makes the person more of who they are and blonsky is a, a bloodthirsty soldier throughout this movie and he seeks out that conflict, especially once he gets the serum yeah, he's a, in him. He's a special ops guy. A specialist. And, you know, we see that what the serum makes him is just more bloodthirsty, more violent. And uh, that ties back in, and it later ties in, I should say, into the Captain America arc with Steve Rogers getting the serum. Yes. John Walker in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. And it ties into a lot of different things, and it's something that really... Again, while it wasn't explicitly started here with the purpose of being paid off later, it was here, and now you see its connections to other projects. You know, and again, I think there's just a lot of praise to be left all around because that's that's brilliant that it was here, and now it's being used in other movies in the same way. Yeah. You know, so one last thing that we have to get to here. This is probably probably the biggest thing given the fact that it leads up to another movie same as we said before with Iron Man. Exactly. Um the post credit scene. Uh, of course, the post credit scene with the man, the myth, the legend, Tony Stark. The great Tony Stark. The great Tony Stark. Uh obviously, in case no one can figure it out by now, Tony Stark is my absolute favorite character in the MCU. Yes, yes. So, Tony Stark is walking into this bar, Thunderbolt Ross, dis- defeated Having a nice little, you know, drink. You know, having a couple of drinks. Had maybe already a couple. You could already tell he's a little intoxicated. A little bit. Looking at this guy, Stark walks in. He's like, Stark. You know, wear such nice suits. You always wear such nice suits. And then all of a sudden, you got Tony being like, you should listen to me. (laughs) You need to listen to me. And Tony's like, we're putting together a team. And now all of a sudden... The post-credit scene from the first from the first movie, Iron yeah. Man, is tying into this movie too, and I think, at least for me, because I was only eleven years old when these movies were coming out. Yeah, we weren't we weren't as uh, old as we are now. No, we weren't <laughs> as old as we are now. And for someone, however, who was old enough to really understand it, seeing Tony Stark, who just appeared in Iron Man, pop up in the Incredible Hulk in a and, post-credit scene, and these movies were both they were both in the same yeah year. released in the same year. That's insane. Uh, that, that's crazy. And it's something, again, that nobody would have expected. And Marvel is the Marvel's the trendsetter in that respect. Well, yeah. Interconnected universes. Marvel's the trendsetter. And it did a great job here. And that, that, I could imagine that if that happened today, you know, 
we would be like, well, that's to be expected. This is an interconnected universe. Right. Heroes from all different corners of the earth in the universe. But in 2008, we hadn't seen that before. Not no. to, not like this. Not like this. I mean, I, the, the one part I like about it was um, when he said, like, he's like, I heard you have, like, a problem or whatever. It was something like that. And he's like, you should, have, you should be the one to talk yeah. <laughs> with his suits and stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, that's great. You know, the, you know what's actually funny is that because Tony Stark is such an arrogant prick in the beginning of the MCU, this ties into the Marvel one-shots, which are some things that they did in Phase 1. Which is good. And they're on Disney Plus, too, so you could get into, like, the little little things, little details that weren't really mentioned in movies. And the backstory on that is Phil Coulson and Jasper Sitwell are sitting in a... Your favorite little guy. Yeah, Phil, my boy Phil Coulson. Oh, your boy. My boy Phil Coulson. And they're, they're hearing that Ross wants to free the Abomination and have the Abomination join the Avengers Initiative. And I'm hearing all this, and they're like, we got to stop this. We got to send in someone to convince Ross not like, to do it. Like, who could be this arrogant son of a gun that just, you know, make him stop, you know? And then all of a sudden, Sitwell's like, you're talking about the consultant. Uh, I never <laughs> said anything about the consultant. Yes, you're talking about the consultant. Tony Stark, the consultant himself, they send him in. And again, what does Tony Stark do? He pisses off down your vault, Ross, enough to where... No, I don't want this team happening. I don't I, want, I don't want Blonsky out. He is staying. <laughs> don't even touch him. I will lock him up myself. I, I messed up before. I ain't doing it again. You okay? Know? You know? And it's just an interesting little backstory because in if you're just watching the movie, the context of that scene is just Tony's telling Thaddeus about the Avengers initiative. Right. But it, it never gives you that, that detail. Like, we never – like, we didn't know he was supposedly – because it was like the World High Security Council. Yeah. We didn't know that they wanted him. It was never a Exactly. A the World Security movie. Council overseeing S.H.I.E.L.D., right. overseeing Nick Fury, overseeing Nick Fury, which we see in Winter Soldier, wanted Abomination. And it's – and again, we're going to get into S.H.I.E.L.D., Hydra, Shield, all that Hydra, stuff later on. Stuff. When you look at that in context of what they were trying to do here, you know, is it possible that Hydra was pushing for this? It could be a possibility that even though S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, obviously, spoilers, but Hydra infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. at some point. I don't think if people are listening to this that they, they, they have but, to be aware. you got to be aware of it, obviously. But the fact that they've infiltrated into S.H.I.E.L.D. and the fact that, given all the characters that we know about now, that they were trying to form not an Avengers team, but more of an evil Avengers team. More oh, yeah. Of, more of the AKA the Thunderbolts. The Thunderbolts, team, yeah. And know? well that that might be paid off down the line here too. I it, it looks like it looks like we're heading in that direction. I think it will be. And I think that Black Widow, which, you know, is the next movie coming out, is gonna tie into that. I think so. So but you know, again, you know, overall thoughts on this movie, Nick. I mean, it's the black sheep, it's the forgotten piece, you know. I what do you think? I consider it a movie where it it's very it's still good. Listen, going back to it now, I think it gives more pleasure to watch now yeah. than it did before. I can agree there. You know, like like I said, the character, you know, the, the actor is amazing in it. Obviously, we don't have him now. We have Mark Ruffalo. But don't make that sound like a bad thing. No, no, it's not, not, it's, Ruffalo's pretty good in the role. A, no, it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying. But give, like, given the fact this movie is great, and I'm hoping to see other characters that we haven't seen in a while like abomination coming in the future in other movies like yeah. betty ross like we, we still haven't seen her yet I, I would love for them to bring back Liv tyler's betty ross somehow that'd be great because i want to see how she would react to professor hulk to professor hulk exactly you know now that'd be something to be very interested to see 
So, I mean, look, overall, though, I, I agree with you. This movie, I, it's an underrated movie in many ways because it's just immediately thrown in the trash can because it's a different actor. Right. Nobody thinks of it as, as a canon movie. Exactly. But in, in my eyes, this is a movie that ties in perfectly. And had Norton stuck around, I think would be held in much higher regard. I think so. And I, th- I think that the change in actors kind of just makes the fandom a little weary of considering it canon. It's true. And then the fact, yeah. like we like we discussed many times here, you know, a lot of different plot lines were kind of abandoned. So, you know? yeah, many with characters that you know, you Samuel Stern gets abandoned. Liv Tyler's Betty Ross gets abandoned. Yeah, we never, you know, see, we never see those characters again. And it's only a couple of characters who we see again that really have impact. And I think that's the story of this movie, that when you look back and its legacy and its place in the MCU, it's a movie that could have set up so many great things and had the potential to be great, but got overshadowed by the fact that it is just not what you would expect from mainstream Marvel, mainstream MCU. Yeah, I think so. So uh, we're going to be wrapping it up here. Uh, Thanks again for joining us. Now, we have a special treat for everybody this weekend. As you all know, the newest Marvel Cinematic Universe film is here. Black, Black Widow, Widow, finally, after what? Two uh, years. Two years. Like, yeah. yeah, two years to the date, almost, Good. of the release of Spider-Man Far From after Home. pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah, COVID here, COVID there. Everything is finally on track with the MCU movies. So Black Widow comes out this weekend. We are seeing it tonight after we record this on Friday. Yes. So we're going to be uploading this tonight. And then tomorrow night, we will be posting our special Black Widow review. Spoiler review, as, as always. This, we're, we're, a spo- be, we're a spoiler we're, channel. We're going to be in the dark as you are, but it's a, it's going to be a spoiler spoiler episode. So if you don't want to you know, be spoiled... Yes, there you yes. Go. Be, be sure to not listen until you've seen the movie. Be very aware. But everybody, thank you again for listening. Catch us tomorrow night for Black Widow. And uh, thanks again for listening. This is Mike and Nick from the Eminem Marvel Mania podcast. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, everyone.